Hi, hello there. Welcome to Tavern Talks. Uh, we're a podcast brought to you by York's uh, York University's Dungeons and Dragons Society. I am Rob, your co-host, and I'm joined by uh, Rowan, my other co-host. And lastly, we have uh, Brandon with us as well. Uh, how are you? We're pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Standard evening stuff. Awesome. And awesome. Uh, full D&D boggling brain going forward. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to start ourselves off by talking about D&D that we played. That's uh, apparently <laughs> what we do, right? Play D&D. <laughs> Um, apparently so. I, I don't know what gave it away, really. You guys play D&D together, right? Yes. Yeah. Rowan, you run that game, right? Yeah, the one we played most recently, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, how did that one go? That one was chaos. <laughs> <laughs> that was every brand of chaos. One of my players made a magic item with multiple checks. His average for the checks was 39 and a half. Whoa. What level characters are these? Seven. Essentially, uh, we were making an airship, and it's awesome, and we had multiple checks to make. And so Artificer was the one primarily making it, and uh, in terms of mechanics-y stuff, he got a lot of bonuses, like inspiration from the bard, guidance from our cleric, uh, advantage from using help, and all that other fiasco, and oh, it all wow. just kind of averaged out, with as well as expertise in Tinker's Tools, to, you know, an approximate 39 and a half. Wait, how did you get and a half? Four checks. Oh, I see. My bad. Yeah, four checks, they all averaged out to 39 and a half. 39 and a half. So, so you put a level 7 artificer with all of those buffs into making something, it gets pretty nutty. Yeah. Oh. His minimum bonus that he was getting to his role was 18. Yo, what yeah. was what I was did not that... plan DCs above 25. <laughs> what was the what was the highest check that they like the highest value that they got? Oh, I think the highest was 46, a 42. No, 42. Wow. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Somewhere in that. That's amazing. So you guys have that game that the two of you are in. Do you guys play uh, games where you're it's not the two of you? I do have one, but we haven't played in a while because, you know, Christmas and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, what, what happened last time was it was the introduction of another s set of characters. They didn't have enough people at the start, so brought some more people in, and that included me. A lot of sort of chaotic energy just emanating from the entire party. It was just standard, like, campaign setup. But then at the very end, because we're all so chaotic and we won't do anything unless we get paid for it, we essentially decided to say, screw it, let's go fight God. Like, quest one, go help escort this noble person's kid. Quest two, kill God. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty big leap, uh, I gotta say. Yeah, it, 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 it's a big leap, but, like, you know, comedy. Yeah. <laughs> fairly reasonable progression. Uh, that's Fa a... Fairly reasonable progression. Yep. Fairly reasonable. The last game that I played was the charity stream, I think, uh, that we had for the society. It was good fun. I did not realize how squishy level 5 characters can be. Because I thought a Gith Yankee Knight was going to be something that was easy. That was just, like, trivial. No. Apparently no. not. No. No. Apparently a Gith Yankee Knight is more than a match for a 5th level fighter. Which is, uh, new news to me. 
was also always the joy of one shots. Every character is way more squishy in a one shot because people will play something they haven't figured out how to break yes, yet. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, one shots can be those kind of things where like you just want to try stuff out. Even from like behind the screen, I was definitely just trying out running a, an adventure in Alloy. My games are usually way less grandiose, traveling across the planescapes, and I've never before used a Gith Yankee, uh, let alone a, a CR8 one. Mine are just, here's a human, and here's a slightly more mm. angry human. Yeah, no, it's like, level level fives are a lot squishier than you think, especially with, depending on the type of person running the campaign, level five can be your starting level. Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty of people who start at level one, it's fantastic. Level three, so you can get the subclass story element into your backstory and whatnot and have all that make sense. And then level five is, is the first spike for a lot of classes and whatnot. Third level spells, extra attack, so on and so forth. Yeah. But like, they're still quite squishy. They've only got five hit dice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, multi-attack. All, all, all I've ever known as uh, non-caster classes, multi-attack. Uh, so that's sort of uh, games that we've played then. I'd like to move on to the sort of main thing that we're going to talk about today, which is two new books Wizards have come out with. Brandon, what's one of those books? Well, the first book came out, I believe it was October 17th or something along those lines, and that is Fizzban's Treasury of Dragons. Awesome. It is finally the book that Wizards Coast come out with that's all about dragons in the game of Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> We've been waiting forever for just a dragon book, and it's finally here. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty fantastic. Awesome. It is pretty fantastic. Rowan, uh, now... Dungeons and Dragons. We've had Dungeons book. What was the other book uh, that came out uh, recently? It was Strixhaven, the Magic University book. Oh, so not uh, Strixhaven, Treasury of Dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been called that. I feel like, you know, that was... <laughs> they had a good thing going for them. Um, yeah, they they could have, they yeah. could have, but like you know, it's it's Strixhaven, a curriculum of chaos. Wow, which wow. Ju just that last part entitles every almost every D and D campaign out there. I'd like to think. Yeah. So uh, let's get into the meat of this discussion really quickly. Uh, Strixhaven, curriculum of chaos presents just a few more spells, uh, and one of them uh, is Silvery Barbs. You guys familiar with the spell Silvery Barbs? <laughs> I am not. What, ah. what is this? Spell? So, so I, if if I remember correctly, Silvery Barbs is a first level spell available to Wizard and some of the others. It is a reaction to cast, and one of the things that it does, the sort of important thing, is it forces a creature who has just succeeded on a saving throw to re-roll it. And a lot of people in the the D and D sphere have kind of a bit of outcry against this. Uh, they're kind of like this is uh, this is pretty incredible because sort of like I suppose the main reason is it basically allows you to recast any other spell that requires a saving throw. Yeah, it's kind of like a different, weaker, more randomized version of counter spell. Oh yeah, but but can be applied to so many more different situations. Yeah, spell is like no, you can't do that. Whereas yeah. uh, Silvery Barb is like, oh no, you do do that, you do fail it. Which is, is quite an interesting thing. I'm surprised it's not on the Clockwork Sorcerer given list. Because that's like that whole thing. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's not on the given list, but it it is it's still a sorcerer. Yeah, still a yeah. sorcerer spell. 
is definitely quite powerful. Yeah. Especially with it only being a first level spell and a reaction spell at that. Yeah, what it allows you to do is basically cast something like Banishment, which is uh, yeah. a, a charisma save. And not everyone's at all good at charisma saves. And then if someone succeeds, you've spent you know quite a high level spell slot. I believe it's like fourth mm. or fifth level for banishment but then you just burn a first level and you just go oh make that one again for me please even if they've yeah. had like disadvantage it's basically recasting it which is pretty crazy so kind of what i yeah. want to focus on is rowan you run a lot of games have you ever encountered a time where one of your players has used something like silvery barbs obviously we haven't had this spell before but use something that you really haven't known about to derail quite a bit what's going on Honestly, that's basically every game. <laughs> um, I mean, I forgot Flash of Genius existed last time, which oh, yeah. like the average roll was so bloody high. But there's every game a player comes, because I, I don't play as much as I run. So it's always, oh yeah, there's all those player abilities I haven't looked into. Damn, that one's really broken. Yeah, there, there, there tends to be a few of them out there, and... It's a shame that some of the really good ones a lot of people tend to forget about. Mm. So like, what one of my favorites, I think it's called Feral Instincts or something, it's for Barbarians. Oh, right. And it's just straight up advantage on initiative checks. Essentially, you can no longer be surprised, provided the first thing you do in combat is rage. Wow, that's really good. There are a lot of, like sources for spells like we're, we're talking books uh, and this is something we might talk about a bit later do you guys restrict your players i mean i say this is mainly for rowan do you restrict your players on what spells they can take from what books like do you just do you say like oh it's php spells only or do you just kind of go like i don't really care uh, spells are spells yeah, I'm a very open DM. Um, there's a few spells that I just think are stupid, but I don't tend to restrict uh, hard. Actually, sometimes I tend to make spells a bit more powerful. Things like Daylight casting. Yeah. All those spells that have like sun in the name, but then they don't cast sunlight, I find really, really annoying. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, I, I think it's like Daylight isn't actual sunlight. Sunbeam isn't actually sunlight. And then the only way to get actual sunlight from a spell is sunblast is like an eighth level spell and it's yeah. ridiculous actually i had a very fun story with daylight a couple sessions ago they were in the world below which is my settings version of the underdark so it's got pretty much it's the same thing pretty much and they had just uh entered into a new area this huge cavern and our druid thought it'd be a great idea to cast daylight i don't really know why but they did really near the end of the session uh and everyone was like why are you doing that? Everybody will see that. And and he was like, yeah, but stuff stuff here will be scared of light. Like, it's fine. And then, uh, and then I, I looked at him dead in the eyes and I said, some stuff, yeah, unless it's, unless it's big. Uh, and then I shut up. I didn't really say anything. And then the next time we played, uh, the first thing I did was I threw a bear here at them who, who had been roused by the increase in light. And... <laughs> And did the other thing natural creatures do when they get scared or when they get provoked, which is instead of running away, fight it. So yeah, <laughs> there is nothing better than just watching your players screw themselves over. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I I I'm a sucker for it every now and then. Talking about fizz bands now, we've done a little bit of talk about silvery barbs. Brandon, you have a bit of know-how on fizz bands. What kind of things did you like about it? 
Like, what immediately stuck out as like, hey, this is a really good book. Right. Well, immediately is Fizban himself. <laughs> so throughout this book, Fizban leaves like little notes, similar to how Tasha did in Tasha's Cauldron. Just like little notes and quotes. And like a lot of them are just like quite goofy, quite quirky, a little bit gimmicky and whatnot. And adds a little bit of like flavor to the book and whatnot. But on top of all that, like, the obvious thing is just the fact that of um, dragons. Like, there's a lot of dragons now. Of course, they introduced uh, gem dragons, which is fantastic. They've got psionic powers, which is really dumb, but also really friggin' awesome. I have a lot to um, say about this, but I will refrain. <laughs> <laughs> Wizards Coast are like, oh no, psionics don't actually exist. Mystic's not a thing that exists. Yeah. No, that was a mistake. And then proceeds to keep... Adding things that are hinting towards it's, psionics it's and just, whatnot. It's just like psionics is literally spell casting, and that's it. Yeah, it's yeah. just like yeah. yeah, they can they can manifest their psionics into uh, spell casting. Yay, that's pretty awesome. Yay, yeah. It's just spell casting that you can't counter spell or dispel. Yeah, and it's like yeah, just there's like a million and one ways to do that, and just giving it a, a psionics tab. But anyway, Rowan, do you use a lot of dragons in your games? I do, but I tend to completely rework the stat blocks. Uh, <laughs> uh, as you should. Uh, go on. <laughs> yeah. Well, well. Funnily, funnily enough, on that point, real quick. One of the other things in this book is there's a. It's a small section. It's it's only like a couple paragraphs or whatnot. But it adds options on adding new features for your dragons. So, like, if they don't typically have a burrow speed or a swim speed, you yeah. can add a swim speed. If they do or don't have spell casting, you can give them spell casting and choose which spells you give them. Or you could, and there's the obvious of like increasing, decreasing HP, increasing, decreasing DCs and whatnot, yeah. damage, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, I mean, I I, th I feel like I would from the ground up change how dragons work completely, but I don't know. I I'm not. I don't believe I'm alone, and I don't believe I'm unique in that. So, Rowan, mm. when you're rewriting those dragons, when you are tinkering them for your use what kind of thing are uh rowan's dragons so my dragons tend to have spend a lot more time interacting with their shape change ability and particularly they can walk as humanoids so therefore they tend to be able to do everything basically any race could if they've spent time with them because that's just more interesting um their hordes i do like dragons that hoard people oh, um wow. i think that particularly for metallic dragons Hoarding people and having your horde be an entire civilization is a much more interesting way of doing it. That is, um, that is really cool, yeah. Uh, I'm a much more roleplay heavy D DM than I am combat, ah. so a lot of their things will be things that can fit in more narratively. Yeah, I'm glad I did let you carry on there, because my next question would have been, so what kind of stuff in combat do you give them? So I'm glad I didn't really ask that. <laughs> well, they still have quite a lot of more interesting combat abilities. One of my dragons has a breath ability, which can basically... If you're on low enough health, it can breath weapon your soul out of your body. Whoa. Um, cool. Which is specific to that one dragon. Yeah. Um, but it's just makes it a bit more interesting, particularly for the NPCs with the party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, your party have grown to like this old dude that they have carrying him along, and then dragon sucks the soul out, and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> monster. No, that, that's cool. I, um, my... Oh, my dragon philosophy is like 
Dragons are so much cooler in the the previous edition. Why did why why aren't we doing that again? So mm. well, yeah. well, I I haven't seen or read anything from like previous editions. So what actually were they like in previous editions then? Uh, so fourth edition dragons, uh, they are the same in that there was a dragon for pretty much every CR. Like um, there's wormlings, young dragons, adult and ancient. But because of um, four E's. Uh, bloodied condition. It meant dragons interacted a little bit more. Uh, they had uh, their breath weapons were a little bit cooler. More, most dragons had uh, two variants of their breath weapon. One of them being sort of like a single target, ah, right. uh, you're going down kind of thing, and then the other one being a big old cone of everybody's going to get targeted by this. And then they all one um, the ones that I've seen would have uh, a a free action. It wasn't a reaction because they didn't have that kind of language. But when they were bloodied, when they had half of their hit points remaining, they would do this like fly by swoop and then make an attack against everybody along that route. Uh, and it, it made them seem like uh, they were pretty terrifying instead of just kind of like fearful presence, which is kind of lame. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, 4E monster design was sort of a lot cooler. Uh, and especially it was sort of like antithesized with dragons then. Yeah. Mm, to emulate that a bit with the, if they drop to zero, you can bring them back up. But I've already yeah. seen discussions on how to cheese that. Yeah, so I, ha I have seen that uh, that has been something with Fizzbands is that they're adding the really, really cool CR 20 plus stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Those will be the uh, great worms, and they've added a great worm for every single uh, dragon bar. I think the Moonstone, the Shadow, and the Deep dragon, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And I think the way that those work, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, if you know, is <clears throat> they have like mythical actions. Yes. So how, how they kind of work is that they've got a base HP, and obviously their legendary actions, normal actions, so on and so forth. But when they drop to zero HP, um, their this like special ability is named differently for each dragon, uh, will bring them back up to mostly full HP, but not completely full HP. And they will then gain access to their mythic actions, which are either like more breath weapons, more attacks, just more ways that they can use their legendary actions. And I think they may also get uh, more legendary action points, maybe, but I can't quite remember. Right, right. Well, and um, and I th and I think I've seen some of them where it's like when they drop to zero hit points, they regain like four hundred hit points. Uh, and this, yeah. this to me seems a lot like the the classic. Uh, grievance I have with dragons in 5th edition, which is, oh look loads of hit points <laughs> mm. and I, I like, I've never, and this this is probably more of a deep-rooted problem, which is I've, I've never ran a game for anyone over what, like 7th level? Uh, mm. So I don't yeah. really know this kind of tier of play where maybe 400 hit points is nothing maybe that's 3 turns of combat but I don't know yeah uh, I think 5e is inherently stacked against high-tier play. Yeah. Um, it basically becomes impossible to balance from 10th level. Um, I tried doing a 14th level one-shot yeah. once and had like a dozen gladiators and my players were able to get rid of all of them within like two, three rounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 400 yeah. hit points for a high-tier of play actually does seem like it's probably child's play. 
Yeah, yeah. And so I sort of feel as though um, when, uh, if I have a long running adventure, a series of adventures, uh, and if I get to a certain level, uh, sometimes I feel like I don't really want to keep playing anymore because um, I don't know if I can challenge people well enough at that kind of level. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's after a, a certain bit... point, you start having to cheese against your players in order to keep it interesting. Because yeah. if you give them a standard combat, which is like the if you're actually looking at the CR, it's totally deadly. And then three turns later, they've taken out your spellcaster in one hit. All your minions are down, um, and all the interesting parts of combat they've managed to just waltz around rather than interacting with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm um, uh, one of the sort of. <clears throat> Uh, things is when you get to higher levels, uh, the game becomes resource management to a much like higher degree, where all mm. you're really doing is thinking, I can solve this problem somehow. So how's the mm. best way that I do it, uh, given that I have loads and loads of resources? Yeah. So I found that my best bet is multiple combats. Yeah. Cause especially if you trick them into thinking it's the last one. <laughs> That's guaranteed yeah, can, to can, can confirm making your players believe that 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 this is the boss fight of the session will make them waste all their resources in a flash. <laughs> uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, both, yeah, both of our uh, DM Kieran, uh, he he pulled that on us. I've, I've told you the story before of the false Hydra. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he he pulled the, he pulled the false hydra. He played up to be the boss of the session, and then like thirty seconds afterwards, there's like this vampire that we've got to kill. <laughs> yeah, that's a, so. That's a, a DM. and that's the story of how Brandon died. Yeah, <laughs> that is the classic uh, DM screwover technique. Yeah, yeah. Um, so going now back to Strixhaven, um, for a bit. <clears throat> There is uh, a lot of stuff in there, and uh, you mentioned this earlier, Brandon, but one of the things is uh, there are like these modules, uh, and in these yes. modules, part of uh, the kind of like uh, the buy-in is you have basically a mini-game where you can track relationships. Um, ah! And, uh, and I was just thinking, this seems like a really weird way to do it. Uh, because it, I, and this is my understanding of it is, the DM doesn't do it. The players do. The players have a chart, mm -hmm. which is like, one side it's um, like rival, and then on the other side it's beloved, and then mm -hmm. it kind of slides. And so this is a question for both of you, and I'll ask Rowan first: Is do you when when you track NPCs? Uh, I mean, if you do even, um, do you have any tools or anything alongside that allow you to track how they feel about certain things, or do you just kind of like? eyeball it just go like yeah i think they kind of hate your guts at the moment yeah i tend to eyeball it mostly um i have things to kind of track their personality um instead of having general alignment i have a three-dimensional thing that has like law to um unlawful and order to chaos just because i find law to chaos doesn't work for me right um so i use a three-dimensional array to actually look at their personality and then i i have a separation between their own alignment and their preferred alignment um, so some people might be really good, but actually it turns out they much prefer people who aren't. Oh, right. Um, or they, you know, if you have an, an evil player who does an evil act, it'll be very clear that this person won't like you. Yeah. But quantifying relationships is always a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon, do you, are you, are you similar? I mean, because you, uh, you have played the game more than you have ran it. 
do you often find yeah. yourself getting yourself you know uh into the mindset of how does this npc view us uh are they uh to use the term from strict haven are that can they be counted as a, a beloved or can they be counted as a rival do you find yeah, yourself it, doing that it, yeah it's yeah i i definitely find myself uh trying to figure out exactly how an npc uh lies within their opinion of us um, a lot of the time it could be quite terrible um but it only happens occasionally when we get like first introduced to, like an npc and then afterwards it's kind of like clear cut on how they stand with us and like if they're a commonly recurring npc um then like we know our relationship might be quite positive or if they're blatantly an enemy who's trying to get us uh then we know that they're negative they see us quite negatively and it's like it, it, it's not too much of a brain kerfuffle trying to figure them out it, it's mostly just see how uh the dm is playing and portraying them and then going from there essentially yeah yeah that's fair yeah, and I, and I believe, to my knowledge, um, there is a sort of relationship-esque thing uh, in Xanathar's or something along I those lines. It's in the DMG. It's in the DMG? Yeah, they actually have relationship rules um, that um, the previous social secretary, Kieran, has brought up to Brandon and I a couple of times, um, where you actually have... Uh, preset points with people which are associated with how much they're willing to do for you mm. and with each interaction you can either move them up in how much they like you by a maximum of one or down by a maximum of one yeah. so each interaction you have to interact with the npc for a long time for them to ever want to do to put themselves in harm's way and that is a way that they preset how to quantify relationships with npcs yeah, yeah and it also gets around the cop out of you 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 rolled so well on persuasion on this enemy guard or something, and they're now willing to risk their life for you. Oh, yeah. That, that the, uh, the charts have a strict, like, mm. bounds on how well you can do. So, like, no matter what you do, if this creature is hostile towards you, they'll only ever be, like, somewhat indifferent to you or maybe help you out in a very, very small way. They'll never go out and throw their life for you. Yeah, the, the classic uh, failing, which is, uh, yes, uh, persuasion is mind control. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's just not. Yeah. Hey, hello, hello. We've just uh, been for a bit of a break uh, to get teas and coffees uh, and all stuff like that. So now we're back again. Uh, so just a, a few more things that we want to touch upon uh, with our sort of very cursory dive into these two new books um, is the the first thing that I want to talk about is uh, there are a lot of new races and a lot of different options, a lot of variant stuff that have come with these two books. Uh, and so I want to ask you guys, um, do you feel like uh, there is there, do you feel like there's a lot of stuff? There's a lot of content for players. There's a lot of uh, choice that they have. And do you think that's a good thing? There's been so many uh, new race options. And obviously, they introduce UA uh, every now and again. And then some of those class options or race options, so on and so forth, get introduced into the next book. Uh, 
which is one of the things that happened for Fizzbands. There was a dragon orientated uh, UA, which introduced a couple races and some subclass options. And basically all of those got introduced into Fizzbands, uh, which has been very cool. So they added, uh, well, they separated the Dragonborn into three separate Dragonborn now since uh, Gem Dragons have been introduced. Uh, there are now Karatic Dragons, Gem Dragons, and uh, Metallic Dragonborn. And each of them are like quite similar to what the base Dragonborn was, but they've been buffed in uh, multiple different departments. Yeah. Uh, so, just as an example, uh, the Chromatic Dragons, uh, they still get all their damage resistant stuff and uh, whatnot, uh, but their breath weapon has been incredibly buffed so instead of doing d6s before each um each breath one now does d10s wow which is very nice uh yeah. still the same dc and constitution modifier proficiency yeah. bonus and all that stuff uh but the scaling for the damage now scales the same way that cantrips do so okay. 2d10 at level 5 3d10 at level 11 and then 4d10 at 17 yeah uh just um, if i may jump in and interrupt here a sec um the it seems obvious that the the Fizzbands Dragonborn are uh, by and large better uh, through sheer just dice better than the PHB Dragonborn. Um, do you? Mm. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think that that's a bad thing, or do you think that if someone plays a Dragonborn, they are going to default to Fizzbands? Uh. I love the fact that they have been like incredibly buffed and they are just default better than the PHB version. Uh, but that also means that I'm almost certain uh, whenever someone chooses to play a Dragonborn, they are just going to default to the Fizzbands version because it's got everything from the PHB version. Mm. And then some, as well as a few buffs here and there. Yeah, because it's interesting that they have uh, basically almost replaced it. But and I don't think yeah. they have. I don't think they've said this Dragonborn is better than the one we set out several years ago. Uh, and that might be something that we yeah. see in uh, whatever new iteration of these source books that comes out is whether they just replace the PHB Dragonborn, whether they just replace the D6s with D10s. I would. I'm interested to see that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, Rowan, do you uh, do you think that there is a lot of stuff that's come out? And do you think like um, I mean, more uh, what I want to know is, are there any books that you are gonna say that you don't want to be played? So some of the new things, mostly the Fizzbin Strixhaven, all seems pretty solid. Uh, so all the stuff actually that's come out, things like Dampier and Hexblood, that kind of make me go, oh, okay, right. Um, had a player who was just brought in a Dampier, um, and a lot of those are actually very potent, depending mm. on how you build them. Um, and very open narratively as well, um, which can be great, but can also... I'm always on the lookout for players who are going to cheese, because I have a couple of players, <laughs> hi Brandon, who are natural <laughs> cheesers. Oh, oh, I would never, I would never, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so, I think the actual um dice stuff for the uh breath weapon of a dragonborn i actually quite like yeah i like that it's actually feasible to use because i find that any dragonborn i've ever had 
they never used their breath weapon previously, yeah. so at least it'll be usable. Yeah. And because um, with um, all these spells added uh, with uh, like Strixhaven, uh, Strix like Silvery Barbs, uh, and there are an, a few feats that have been added, which are like uh, in initiates to different schools. Um, like I, I am certainly thinking that there is a fantasy that is being portrayed with like Strixhaven. You know, the fantasy mm. is uh, basically Wizards of the Wizards of the Coast Hogwarts. Uh, I was quite uh, happy to see that. Oh, I feel like I've um, ins insulted Brandon there. Uh, a, a, a little bit. Like you're not wrong about the D and D Hogwarts thing, <laughs> but I have a, a towel to oh, toss in on okay. that point. Um, in my personal opinion, I think it's less Hogwarts, but more just like a straight old magic high school oh. anime thing. Oh, that's that, okay. because so so. Do you think it's, sorry, do you think it, it's more like the the anime kind of thing? Like, uh, is that the sort of like craziness or like high school? Yeah. Not yeah, it, it's definitely more more of the anime stuff because there are some ridiculous things in uh, Strixhaven that you wouldn't really find in uh, Hogwarts or something. Uh, so, just as uh, a fair example, uh, there is now a dragon called Quandrix. All right. And Quandrix is a special boy because <laughs> he is essentially a math dragon. Wow. That's cool. Oh yeah, uh, they have a, a yeah. college of mathmancy, don't they? Like a yes, college dedicated there is to a, doing. There is a... That's crazy. Yeah, there is a college of mathmancy or whatever, <laughs> and the the founding dragon was Quandrix, and Quandrix has essentially the best way to describe it as a math breath weapon, <laughs> which literally breathes literal math equations at its targets. Wow. That's that's pretty crazy. So, yeah, that's one of the sole reasons why I feel like it's more of a um, like magic high school anime thing rather than Hogwarts yeah. because it's getting very extra fancy rather than just like oh it, you know it, it it's it makes sense fancy it's more yeah. ridiculous fantasy. Okay. Well, um, I also think the rival system is much more set up for anime style than Hogwarts oh, yeah. style. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There's a whole rival system as well, so that that just screams anime. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Just, just right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, so before we sort of uh, move on from talking about these two books to the the news and then eventually the end, um, uh, there is one thing that I kind of want to know, um, which is, uh, are you guys gonna interact with these books? Like, um, like, do you feel as though, are you guys gonna run, um, like, uh, Rowan, are you gonna run any, uh, magic high school anime fantasy stuff? Or, or is this just something that you're like, oh, okay, that's cool, but I'll keep running my D&D, you know? So I'm planning on lifting some ideas because I do have a lot of interaction with universities, magic universities in my world. Uh, but since all my adventurers are a bit, um, you know, old at actual <laughs> universities, it's going to be peering in as though they're watching somebody else interact with it in that style. Right. Um, so they'll have their favorite NPCs and basically it'll be like watching the anime instead of being in the anime. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I, I, I know, I know for myself, uh, one of the whenever I make a new character or like a character dies at some point, uh, I'm definitely going to be trying my best to use the Fizzbands book for some of their player options. So like using one of the new Dragonborn, and then 
also using uh, one of the, the new subclasses, either Drake Warden or Ancestral Dragon. Probably Drake Warden because, you know, who doesn't want a little baby dragon companion by your side? And just like, here, here, have a cookie. Here, have some jerky. Aren't you adorable? Um, you know, so I, I'm definitely going to use one of these worlds. Yeah. And, and, and uh, what are the... Uh, what are new like player options are there in uh, Strixhaven? Because I think there are the are there the the owl race owlin are they them? Yes. Owlin, yeah, yeah. They're they're the only proper player options aside from spells and whatnot. But right. DMs can use that as well. But like the only uh, strict the player thing is the owlin race, right? Uh, and they're pretty dope as well. Um. So they can be a small or medium creature, so it can be like a little pygmy uh, burrowing owl or something. Or it can be this great big snow owl uh, <laughs> or barn owl sort of ordeal. That's cool. Um, but they're a bit funky because they've added another race with a fly speed. Ooh. That, which is that interesting more than five itself. years. That lives more than five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it so the one before it was obviously the Aracocra, they have a flat fly speed. Um, the Owlins have a scaling fly speed with walk speed. Oh. Which I think is a bit... Uh, oh no! Uh, so s- scaling with walk speed, uh, what does that mean? How does it work? Take the example that you're playing like an Owlin monk. Yeah. They get the monks get unarmored movement oh so, I see. so that increases their movement speed provided they're not wearing armor okay that would apply to an owlin's fly speed as well oh. so for so you get like an extra five feet from unarmored, unarmored movement that's an extra five feet to your fly speed which means when they cap out at the extra 30 foot it does mean an owlin would get a 60 foot fly, fly speed wow that's that's pretty crazy um, yeah. Do you, uh, Rowan, have you ever encountered problems with flight speed? With with um, anything going annoying, like on your end, behind the screen? Have you ever thought, like, damn, I wish they, I wish something didn't have flying speed? I haven't had that issue so much yet, but I have just had a winged tiefling join my party, so I think that's oh, going boy. to become a problem very quickly. <laughs> um, yeah. I I find that for. Outside of combat, fly speeds don't tend to make too much of a difference because you're always limited by your slowest movement speed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in combat, if you are ranged, you have to basically always account for the flying one. Because mm. um, if you if your flying dude has ranged attacks, then they can be basically untouchable if all you've brought into combat is melee. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and that that can that can be uh, uh, an encounter which you thought was really cool, fun, and balanced, and then you roll initiative and you realize, oh, this is going to be one-sided. Oh, great! So the rest of you are just hiding behind a wall while yes. your flying one picks them off. That's really interesting, guys. Yeah, you, you, you know, yeah, cra- like oh, I hope you guys. Uh, I can see that you're all having a lot of fun. Uh, well, I'm going to stick behind the screen where I'm not. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, you know, e- e- even even from a player's p- perspective, like I I, I already hate fly speeds. <laughs> Just, I, I I'm not even the DM. I already hate them. Yeah. I, I can already see how annoying they can be. Yeah. Oh boy, flying. Speed. I do have a. The only player I play does have a fly speed, but I choose to use the fly 
speed as ineptively as possible. <laughs> um, so she's very useless. And that is the only way I want to run her. Wow. I um I had one of my players cast Fly for the first time ever. They then flew up uh, like 60 feet in the air or something. Or it was like 30. And then I had a dude next to them throw four throwing knives at them. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is fine. They're just going to like range attack. And they made four concentration saves. And they failed the fourth one and plummeted to the ground. <laughs> and I was like... Nice. Oh, that that was uh that was unintentional, but I like that. I had a lot of fun yeah. grounding that. <laughs> yeah. Uh so, uh that is largely what we're gonna have time to talk about with this sort of main topic y sort of stuff. I'm sure we we'd love to talk more about it. Uh and that might be something we do in future episodes. Um Yeah, that there's there's plenty of other things that uh we could have talked about, like uh I'm obviously a sucker for dragons, and we didn't get a chance to touch on uh, the whole lair and horde aspects that they oh, introduced yeah. in Fizzbuns. But, but I highly recommend giving them uh, a read uh, to anyone listening or whatever, because it is some pretty funky stuff in there. Yeah, and yeah, I would love to talk in length about how much I dislike dragons. Uh, like... <laughs> Uh, 5e dragons. It's going to be the next podcast episode. It's yes. just going to be you yeah, ranting for an hour. No one else. It's, it's literally just going to be me adjudicating my own discussion on why I dislike <laughs> dragons, how they ran. Like, uh, well, it, Rob, how long do you think about dragons? Thanks yeah. for asking, Rob. I hate dragons. <laughs> yeah. be like, do you think that Wizards is doing a bad job with gemstone dragons? Do you think someone else does a bad Yeah, I do. I, yeah, just I, it would be that. Be <laughs> all it would be. So, um, yeah, uh, talking about news, um, this isn't entirely one-sided. I do have a question for you folks at some point, so sit tight. Uh, basically, hey, Strixhaven is out, a book that we've been talking about. That was sort of uh, last week. Another uh, item is uh, talking about new content for 5th edition is um, MCDM's Beast Heart. It's a new class. Uh, if you have ever wanted to play as a Beastmaster Ranger but found that Beastmaster Ranger sucks, then Beast Heart may be for you. Uh, Arcane Ugly, this is a thing which is not 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. It's a um, TRPG? No, TTRPG that's been developed by uh, an Australian dude called Trent uh, at miscast.com, I think. So he's released Arcane Ugly sort of in the last few weeks or months. Uh, go check that out. It's very, like, whimsical it's very like well something crazy has just happened uh and arcane ugly it's kind of in the title um the other thing is um there's a rules expansion gift set from wizards that's coming out uh oh. it is next year it's um january or february they, it's you can pre-order it at the moment it's got three books and a dm screen it's got monsters of the multiverse uh Xanathar's Guide, and then Tasha's Cauldron. Uh, have you guys heard a lot about Monsters of the Multiverse? I, no. I, this is the first time I've heard about wow, it. Wow, okay, Monsters... Sounds like the Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> oh, oh, man, that, that would be pretty cool. Uh, so it's, um, it's their new monster book, basically. Uh, I think they're taking, uh, a bunch of, uh, monsters that they've previously made and, like, updating them, uh, and then they're making more monsters. Uh, there's mm. a new style that they've got coming out. We've seen it with 
the two books and then Wild Beyond the Witchlight as well. We've seen their new monster design come out. Uh, and basically that's just a trial for Monsters of the Multiverse. Uh, so that's coming out um, next year. You can pre-order it. Um, I don't think I will be. As much because I really want to have a look at Monsters of the Multiverse because uh, I, I really like me that monster design. Um, mm. But I'm a little bit concerned uh, from a consumer uh, that I don't really know if Monsters of the Multiverse will be out individually. Uh, and for mm. folks who have already yeah. got Tashes and Xanathars or who don't want to get them, they might have to just suck it up and spend sort of uh, pretty much what is effectively going to be over a hundred pounds uh, on three book on one book and then two that they don't want uh, so that's mm. that's a big thing coming although people probably know about that uh, and now a little bit closer to home in our own society we've got York's Adventurers League uh, which will be coming up uh, in the new year uh, the second week back is when we're going to start uh, but for those listeners who aren't really involved with the society, that kind of means nothing to you. Uh, but for those who are, kind of watch the space, uh, we'll be getting uh, more updates as uh, we, the team, work on it. Um, and that's uh, that's it for our news section. Uh, everything else, um, I'm sure there's other stuff happening, for sure. I, uh, I, just, I gleaned this stuff from um, Twitter pages, which is all very fun. So, um, if that is all you guys want to discuss, uh, and I'm going to wait for a little bit of a nod from you guys, or a shake of the head, alternatively, but alright. In which case, um, thank you all very much uh, for your time. Uh, thank you to my co-host, Rowan. Thank you for Brandon, uh, for sort of coming along, talking to us for a bit. We'll have you on again. Always a pleasure. Awesome, awesome. So we'll be back in a fortnight's time uh, to talk about something else related to our wondrous and fantastical hobby. It might be dungeons, um, and then we can talk. Uh, we can have this one as the dragons episode. The next one, is yeah, the yeah. We one. we talked we talked a lot of dragons this time. We Maybe did. the next one will be the dungeon one. Indeed. Now uh, we have to cover the and. Oh, oh yeah, we, no, we've got to come up have, with an and episode. Yeah, we do need an and episode. Well. That'll all be figured out in the meantime. Uh, so, thank you all again for coming. Uh, we've been your wondrous hosts. Uh, take care, folks, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye! Bye-bye!